Praise God, he is the rock, and we can stand on him. And so often throughout David's life, he declared that the Lord was his rock. And you'll see that the flip chart here has the two words, salt and light. That just happens to be what Philip was speaking about on Saturday, on Sunday morning past. And I suppose I really just have felt that God wants us to be, obviously wants us, we know he wants us to be salt and light in the world. And that's what he wanted David to be as well. He wanted him to be a person who would show God's love. Salt permeates, it goes through everything. Permeates, is that the word? Permeates. Permeates, that's the word. And, and light shines. And so God wants us to be that in, the, in this world. And God wants us to live lives that will honour him and will bring glory to his name. So I'm going to turn that over to what we're going to talk about today. Because our title is, Guard Your Heart, Be Alert, Watchful and Obedient. That might seem like a big mouthful. But basically, I believe that God wants us to follow up from last week. I believe there's a lot of teaching in this next chapter. I believe God wants us to do something that has been spoken about a lot in church over the last couple of Sunday evenings as well. And that means to live simply. We remember that David had been blessed and established by God. But he had actually developed into a life that was coming not simple. If you remember, he had taken on a lot of wives. He had, he had multiplied wives and concubines. And I tell you, that doesn't lead to a simple life. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement with that. So he was disobeying God's word, but he was also doing like what really wasn't smart, even as far as we're concerned. And last week we saw how, uh, we, remember we did the Mephibosheth story last week, we saw how David had reached out in kindness because he wanted to show God's kindness and he reached out to Mephibosheth who was lame on both his feet and living down in Lodibar. He brought him up to the palace and he brought him to the table and he, he treated him and, and encouraged him to live as a son and live in the palace. And we looked at that last week at how God wants us to, to live to, to, to know that he has transferred us from one kingdom to another and he's brought us right in to the kingdom, into the palace, if you like. And we say, if we, if we really, if we're to take that, that story and really believe it and really absorb it, then we would begin to live as people who sit at God's table. And last week we called a number of you, a lot of you came up here because you really wanted to make that statement that you wanted to move out of a place where you listened to the lies of the enemy down in Lodibar and you wanted to be transferred and to start to live at the table of the king. You wanted to live a different kind of life. And if you really meant that last week and if you really want that, then you begin to believe that it's true, that, that God has prepared a table for you to sit at. That's a place where you sit and you receive from God and you get fed and it's a precious place. And, place. and not only has he prepared a table for you to sit at, but Ephesians tells us, Ephesians chapter um, 2 tells us that we actually have been seated in heavenly places that in Christ we're actually already, although we're on earth, we're already seated at the table and we're already seated in heavenly places. I mean, that's incredible that we can live from that place, that seat of authority, that we can live like in, seated with Christ actually in heavenly places. So we saw that last week. And uh, we also saw, if you remember at the very end, we saw that do you remember whenever we, we prayed over you guys and Jerry got a word, and for those of you who were here, put your hand up if you were here last week. For those of you who were here, you'll remember that Jerry gave a word that she got it been speaking to her about holding the sword in our right hand and the shield in our left hand and the importance of that. And I believe that was a very, very important word, Jerry, because I believe that's going to transfer us from last week into this week. Because God doesn't only want us to sit at his table and be fed and to sit in the place of authority, but he wants us to use the authority. He wants us to take the sword and he wants us to use it and he wants us to hold the shield of faith. So we just needed to remind ourselves at the start of today's talk, I want to remind you 
that there is a sword, which is the word of God, that you have to use. That means declaring it over your circumstances and situations, praying for others, praying for yourself, pushing forward. But there's also this sword of faith, this shield of faith. And I'm going to just, um, just kind of make it something like this. would be like a shield of faith with the cross on it. And am I only going to do a sword? I don't know. I'm going to do a sword over this like. Something like that, that we're like more like a dagger than a sword. But anyway, um, and, and I just really felt it was really important that we remember, remind ourselves that being a Christian is full of blessings, it's full of God's goodness, but it doesn't mean that we live life without a struggle. And in fact, if we don't struggle, we're not alive. Because from the moment that the child is coming out of the womb, there has to be a struggle to get out. And there's going to be a struggle, and particularly special times of more intense struggle and and we really need to look at that as being normal and being a proof that we're living and alive in the world that the struggle is necessary to grow if we're going to grow there has to be life and there is has to be a struggle and and so i believe that god is reminding us that we are in a war zone and that in certain times of our lives there will be more intense fighting or more intense um, warfare that we will need to move through. And what's interesting to me is that I think God's bringing it to my attention that there have been times, and, and I, I think I shared with you over the last few weeks, that I've felt there has been a struggle and felt a lot of condemnation, a lot of stuff that, that I was having to ward off and, and lies from the enemy and fear. Fear is a huge one. The enemy will use all of this ammunition to stop us going forward into what God has for us. And the enemy does not want us to use the sword and use the shield. And yet, God will bring us through the struggle. Because he's faithful and because we're anchored to him and because we belong to him, his plan is to bring you through the struggle. But he doesn't take the struggle away. Because as we said this morning in the prayer room, Louise and Jerry and a few of us were agreeing that that when the, when, the little, when the butterfly that we look at and see flying around and looking so beautiful and colourful and all the rest of it, we know that it is in a cocoon and we know that there's a struggle for it to get out. And if we try to ease that and make it easy for the butterfly to, to get out of it, it's, we're going to kill it. Because it has to go through the struggle in order to be what it's meant to be and to come into the destiny of what God, the purpose that God has for us. And so the enemy does not want us to go through the struggle. And so uh, I really feel it's important that we remind ourselves of that this morning. And just if you notice, guard your heart, be alert, watchful and obedient. I just want you to look quickly at those four different, uh, four different Bible references that I've put in your notes. One is Proverbs 4 and 23, which is guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life. 1 Peter 5, 8 to 14 is be alert. That's the verse about for your enemy, the roaring lion is on the prowl. And uh, Matthew 6, which is the verse that speaks about your eye. I just want to uh, read this to you just to remind you that we need to be being on the alert means having eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to you at this particular time. And just let me get it here. It says in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 24, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body and when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So we know that we need to be live simply, be on the alert, and to have our eyes filled with light. I want to draw an eye. That looks something like an eye. Yeah. All right. Put a few eyelashes in. I'm, I'm doing this because I want you to remember what we're going to speak about today because God wants us to live simply he wants us to be alert he wants us to guard our hearts and he wants us to use this sword he wants us to learn how to use the word of God and you know there's no point in knowing the word of God unless we obey the word of God now this means obedience. There's no point in reading the word. There's no point in being touched by it 
if we aren't actually going to obey it. And that's why God spoke to Samuel, and Samuel spoke this word out in 1 Samuel 15. He said to obey is better than sacrifice. And so if we're going to go through this life and, and if we're going to be salt and light, if we're going to be all that God is calling us to be, then we need to know how to fight. We need to know how to use uh, the sword, how to use the how to use the shield, the shield of faith to believe God. You know, these two things really mean trust and obey. Whenever I was growing up, we used to say, that, that, was, a, that was a very well-known saying. You don't hear it so much now. Trust and obey. There was a song, just trust and obey. That's really what it boils down to, trust and obey. And so we need to keep our eyes open as well and be on the alert. So that's my introduction. And now we're going to look. We are not moving into chapter 12, really. We're, we'll be touching on it, but we're going to start with um, chapter 11 because we're going to see that way back... Along the same time that, that the enemy had been uh, encouraging David to take wives, take many wives, even though God's word had said a king was not supposed to do that, he, he disobeyed and he was taking many wives. But there was more to it than that. Because believe you me, the enemy attacks us on different fronts. And sometimes the way he gets to groom us and prepare us uh, is... Is along the lines that we don't actually notice and so I want to bring you back to how the enemy Satan had set a trap for David and was about to spring it and 1st Corinthians 10 verses 12 to 13 talk about about Satan about Satan um, it talks about the, the the possibility of standing and then falling take care when you stand lest you fall and David had been growing God had been establishing things were going well but yet the enemy had set a very very clever trap for him and uh, I've written in your notes the root of the story and how the trap was set goes back to a king of the Ammonites named Nahash now I wanted to just tell you a little bit very quickly from 1 Samuel 11 uh, and there's first verses 1 to 11 tell the story. We haven't actually time to read that so I'm going to tell you very quickly what the story was. This king Nahash was the king of the Ammonites. The Ammonites were people that were totally against God and back in 1 Samuel 11 Nahash who was the king of the Ammonites he went against a whole crowd of Israelites who were living in a place called uh, Jabez. What do you call it now? I've forgotten the name of it. Uh, Jabez. Um, sorry, Jabez Gilead. Gilead was where they lived and camped there. Now, this king Nahash went against these believers, these 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 Israelites uh, who were living at Jabez Gilead, and they asked to make a covenant. They they were afraid of Nahash, and Nahash basically told them that if they, if they surrendered to him and allowed him to remove, to gouge out their right eye, that he, would, he wouldn't kill them. That uh, he, he gave them this possibility. If you, want me, if you want me to save your life, to spare you, then let me gouge out your right eye. And so uh, this was the very early on, whenever Saul was, had just been anointed to be king. And this was about the one and only time that Saul got things really right because he heard this and he rounded up, routed the Israelite armies and they went and they fought against Nahash and they totally destroyed him. So these Israelites were saved and they didn't lose their right eye. It's very interesting as well that the Ammonites also had another um, diabolical um, act of war that they that they that they did on a on a, a, a regular basis. We read about it in Amos one and thirteen. They had this history of ripping whenever they went in to, to take over an area, they would rip open pregnant pregnant women as part of their warfare. Now, honestly, I read that yesterday, and you know, I just thought, isn't that so typical of the hatred? That, you know, Nahash is a picture of Satan. And isn't it so typical of what Satan does? I mean, you think of the child sacrifices throughout the Old Testament that broke God's heart. And you see how subtly over these years how the enemy has used, you know, the killing of infants in the womb. And how he still loves to rip open, as it were, so to speak, 
pregnant woman. And so Nahash is a picture of Satan, and would you believe it, his name means serpent. I don't think that's by chance that his name means serpent. Another translation of his name is to hiss, hiss, we don't watch my, my S is there, my, my, to hiss, or to whisper, or to enchant. Let me tell you that we have an enemy who will come in our ear and he will whisper, or if you like, try to seduce us, or enchant us with lies. And so this king is a picture of how Satan not only tries to blind us by taking out our spiritual eye, remember this, we need to see with our spiritual eye, we need to see what God's showing us. The enemy wants to take out the eye and he wants to enchant and seduce us to listen to his whispers and his lies. Now I need to tell you this, that uh, there's a, a big Bible called Decks and the notes in the Deck Bible say this, the purpose of gouging out the right eye of each man was to destroy their usefulness as effective soldiers for the rest of their lives. The right eye was used in looking at the enemy. Listen to this, folks. The Israelites used the right eye to look at the enemy over the shield. Israel would have been easy to conquer had such injury come to their soldiers and the enemy would have reproached Israel and made them slaves all their days. And so I feel today that, that a lot of what we're going to be saying is how the enemy wants to, he wants to darken, he wants to take the light out of our spiritual eye so that we stop, so that it becomes darkness, so that we will not be able to see. That's the enemy's agenda. That's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to stop you seeing the truth. He wants to he wants to stop you being able to look over the shield. And you know, if he can get your eye full of darkness, then really he has got you because we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And as we look over the shield, we're trusting Jesus and we're looking to him, but we're also he's giving us discernment and he's giving us wisdom to know how to fight the enemy. And so I think this is an amazing picture as to how God wants us to be equipped and to be able to have light in our eyes and to be able to see what God is doing on the earth at the minute and to be able to fight with him and in agreement with heaven. Now the Ammonites had refused to, whenever Israel was coming into the land, remember after wandering through the desert and they were finally coming to enter into the land of Israel, at that time the Ammonites were one of the groups of people who refused to allow the Israelites into their territory. And because of that, God had made a, a law to say that, that the Ammonites were not allowed into the assembly of God. Isn't it interesting? They wouldn't let God's people into their territory. So God said, you're not coming into my territory. And so there was a very definite law. Deuteronomy 23, three to four declared that. And, uh, and so uh, we're kind of wondering as we look now at Second uh, Samuel chapter 10, we're going to start reading our story for today and we're going to look and see what had happened, how had the enemy sneaked in here and what was going on. So Second Samuel 10 verse 1. Sometime after this, Nahash of the Ammonites died and his son Hanun became king. And David said, I'm going to show loyalty another translation says kindness to Hanun just as his father Nehash was always loyal and kind to me now that's an interesting one to start with isn't it these are the people that God had said that the Israelites would have nothing to do with them because of their history Nehash was the man who had tried to gouge out the eyes of God's people he was the king that Saul had had fought and had 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 won the battle so that the Israelites didn't lose their right eye. But here we say, I we're, we're reading this properly, it says, David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanun, just as his father Nahash was always loyal and kind to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanun about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonites commanded the Ammonites' commanders said to Hanun, their master, 
Do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No. David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. So Hanun seized David's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard, each man's beard, and cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. When David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay at Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. When the people of Ammon realised how seriously they had angered David, they sent and hired 20,000 Aramean fruit soldiers from the lands of Beth Rehob and Zobah, 1,000 from the kings of Maka, and 12,000 from the land of Tob. When David heard about this, he sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. The Ammonite troops came out and drew up their battle lines at the entrance of the city gate. We're just going to leave it there for the moment. I'd love you just to try and get this picture. After the story of Mephibosheth, where David had shown kindness to him, now he's showing kindness to the enemies of the Lord. He's showing kindness to this man uh, whose son was called uh, Hanun. And uh, it seems to me very, very strange. What kind of a comfort or a kindness had, had Nahash shown to David? And why did David feel that he was beholden to him and that he owed him kindness in return? Something had happened at some way, in some part of David's journey. He had been lulled into a friendship with this man who basically hated God's people. This man who had tried to take out the eye of God's people. And yet somewhere along the line, David had been lulled into this friendship or sense of loyalty to this, this king Nahash. And it seems from what we read here in 2 Samuel 10 that it was because Nahash had, had shown kindness to David at somewhere along the line. Now, the Jewish people, they have all kinds of ideas. They feel it's to do with that he helped David's parents or whatever. We don't know what that kindness actually was. But here's the thing. It seems to me that Nahash, remember he's a picture of Satan, that Nahash had crept in at a time when David was vulnerable. Remember that Nahash would have had a hatred against Saul because Saul was the king who did actually uh, destroy the Ammonites and, and didn't let them take out the eye of God's people. So Nahash would have hated Saul and during the time that David was on the run from Saul, do you remember through the desert when he was being chased and hounded by Saul? During that time, it's, I wonder, it doesn't actually tell us, but I wonder had, had Nahash found David in his vulnerability and shown him some kind of kindness that brought him into a relationship and a friendship and if you like a kind of an agreement with David. Where actually the enemy of God's people had crept in at some point and had formed this kind of agreement or alliance with David. Now, it's interesting because if you read the story, uh, you'll see that they were told whenever, whenever David's ambassadors went to, 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 up to Nahash, up to, sorry, up to uh, Nahash's son, Hanan, you'll, you'll note that as I read there, that they, they, they instead of, instead of honouring David, they actually began to show their true colours and they treated David's ambassadors shamefully. And you'll notice that they cut off the beard and cut. Can you imagine an Israeli man who, who you know, for uh, would have counted the long clothing over over the legs to cover to co be covered was was the holy thing. To be cut off at the buttocks and to be was to t be totally shamed. And to cut a, a Jewish man's beard in half was such a shameful thing. I mean, it was a disgrace. And it's interesting that that a way back in when Nahash was alive and when he tried to take out the eye, if you read that chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11, you'll see that David's intention, or that Nahash's intention was to bring shame or disgrace or if you like reproach upon God's people. That was his intention right from the time that Nahash tried to take out the eye of God's people in 1 Samuel 11. And it's interesting that that was his intention and we're going to see how he actually fulfilled that as we go through this story. But here's the thing, 
Nahash lived in the Jericho area. Did you notice that David said, stay in Jericho? Just stay there. It was obviously quite close to where Nahash lived. And isn't it interesting that when David was on the run from Saul, he would have spent a lot of his time in the Judean desert, round by En Gedi, all which is the area around Jericho. And it seems to me that in the time that David was feeling vulnerable, that he was at a very low ebb because of all the nasty things and the horror and the pressure and the ongoing pressure of, of Saul chasing him and trying to kill him. It seems to me at that time of his vulnerability that this Nahash, that this man, who's a type of Satan, crept in and in some way brought him comfort, in some way showed him kindness. Now we need to remember that the Bible tells us that Satan comes very often as an angel of light. And very often, whenever we're vulnerable, the enemy will come and try to make an easy way out for you and try to get you linked into something that's not pleasing to God because he wants, he still has the intent, his purpose is still there. It may, might come in angel's clothing, he might come with an agenda that he wants to help you, but I'll tell you that the enemy is no helper of yours or mine. His agenda is still to take your eye out. His agenda is still to destroy you and to bring shame upon God's people. The enemy knows how and when to approach us when we're vulnerable. The enemy knows how to set a trap. Now, Satan certainly can operate through whispering and through lies and enchantment and seduction. He, he works through negativity, he works through criticism, he works through false comfort, and he works through kindness when we're weak and vulnerable. And you know, I just feel it's really important that we remind ourselves that very often, whenever we're at a low ebb and things are tough, and if you like, we're in, we're in the middle of that struggle, it's very, very easy to listen to the whispers of the enemy. It's very easy to come into agreement with uh, Satan, or if you like, with Nahash, who's a type of Satan. It's easy to listen to his lies. It's easy to let ourselves become embittered. It's easy to receive false comfort. It's easy to get negative. It's easy to, uh, to receive and be sucked into the seduction that the enemy would try to bring around us. It seems that David somehow or other had listened to Nahash and had received kindness from him. Can you imagine that David was receiving kindness from the very man that was the enemy of God's people? I mean, that to me just seems, and yet all of us, we're all susceptible to this. We're all, it's easy sometimes to listen to gossip. It's easy to be comforted by gossip. It's easy to believe lies about other people whenever we feel we're down. It's, it's, it's easy if we're in the heat of a struggle and we feel depressed about ourselves and we feel down about things and we feel that we're really in a tight spot. It's easy to seek some kind of comfort that isn't of God. Would you agree with me? And God wants to take us through the struggle so that we come out stronger and able to fight the battle and able to win and be overcomers. That's God's plan. And, and we were talking this morning in the prayer room about the importance of actually going through the struggle because God does something in us through the struggle. And over the last few weeks I've been sharing with you how I've just felt that I have been in some kind of a battle and it hasn't been very nice. And during those times, and I know that lots of you have been in struggles as well, and you witness with this, during the time of struggle, we can get down, we can almost get depressed, we can, we can go all through all kinds of negative emotions, we can feel this is, you know, we begin to believe the lie that God's not with us. We begin to believe the lie that we're not coming out of this, that there's no future for us. We begin to believe the lie that, there's, that the enemy wants to bring us fear and fear of, of tomorrow and regret for the past. He wants to bring back old stuff that we've already dealt with, and he wants to give fear for the new things that God wants to bring us into. And so I believe it's so important that we encourage each other, not try to solve things for each other. We were talking in the prayer room this morning how when the butterfly is, is being burst, when, when it's going through that metamorphosis, if we cut the cocoon, it'll die. In order to, be, to be, fulfill its destiny, to be the butterfly, it has to struggle and we have to let it struggle. And all of us at times have to go through the struggle. But God brings us through. 
Last Sunday morning, I had I woke up and I was very aware that I'd had a dream. And uh, the dream, I find if dreams are still very alive and I can remember the details about them, I take notice of them and I ask the Lord to show me what the dream meant. And the dream was that I really wanted to fly a Boeing 707. <laughs> It was real desperate desire that I would fly, fly this plane. But there was no way that I could get trained. And I was going, but I really want to fly that plane. And I really wanted it. And then it was in the dream, somebody said, well, there's some training here. We'll let you train. You can go through the training. So I looked around and there was like these round things that were spinning, they were crazy. And I could see people who were being trained, they were having to get onto these things and they were up and down and round and spinning. And I could see that some of these people were being tossed around and their legs were going up in the air. And I was thinking, oh my goodness. And I was looking at this and I was thinking, they're, they're having to learn how to keep upright and how to keep their balance in the midst of being tossed and shaken in every way. And as I looked at it, I thought, wow, and I could see this girl and her legs were right up in the air. And I thought, God's teaching her, he's training her to remain upright even though everything's being shaken about. And, and I felt like when I woke up, I felt like God saying, that's what you've been going through the last months. Things have been shaking, but it's for training. It's for what I want to bring you into. And I believe there's some of you and, and you felt like you've been shaken and you felt upside down and tossed around. But you know, God's plan is not to destroy you. God wants to use that for training, to fly the plane, to, to do what God's called you to do, to rise up with wings as eagles. He wants you to, to go forward. He wants you to use the struggles to become the big birds, the big warriors that he wants you to be. He wants you, and you know, those big planes, you know, during the wartime, it was the planes that went in and dropped the bombs on the enemy. And he wants us to be people, he wants us to be women who will wait on him and take the training and go through the struggle so that we're able to rise up with wings as eagles. To be strong women, to be warriors. Now, we know, of course, I don't know how on earth did I get to that. Anyway, <laughs> we know that the enemy does not want us to come through. He wants, he wants to stop us. And, and we're going to read today and we're going to see that, that this false comfort and kindness, which would try to cut the cocoon, would try to stop you, that false comfort that would make it so easy for you that you never go through the struggle, you never get the training. So often we think, Lord, just make life real smooth. Just make it smooth. If you make it smooth, I'll be praising you. But you know, if everything went smooth, if there was no problems, if there was no struggles, we would not grow spiritually. It's through suffering that we grow. It's through sacrifice that we grow. It's through learning to do it God's way that we grow. And God wants to use not just some of the things that happen to us in life, but he wants to use all of the things that happen to us, to happen to us in life so that he will work all things together for good so that we become the woman that he wants us to be. And so we're going to see the importance of guarding our heart. We're going to see the importance of being alert, the importance of having our eye full of light, and the importance the importance of obeying God. To obey is better than sacrifice. And so we see that, uh, that the enemy had been at work. So when David sent up these ambassadors and they totally affronted David and affronted Israel because of sending these men back with their beards shown, this whole thing actually sparked off a, a, a war I started to, to tell you about it there to read about it we didn't read it all but the thing was that uh, the treatment of the men of Israel was such an affront to Israel and because the Ammonites didn't apologize but instead went to war with Israel and not only did the Ammonites go to war with Israel but they actually if you read through it yourself you'll see they actually brought in people from other nations to go to war with Israel as well so the whole incident that was sparked off by David trying to give kindness and loyalty to the enemy of God. The whole thing sparked off a war. And so 
And so the Ammonites brought in many people against Israel and the war continued. Now, here's the point. The enemy was now showing his true colours. And then it seems at the end of, uh, of, chapter, of chapter 10, it seems that they had been fighting with these Ammonites. And there's a couple of wars that we read about there. I didn't read right through the thing. You can read it yourselves. But after two battles... Uh, the war between the Ammonites and Israel was still not resolved. But instead, it seems it was more complicated than ever. And I've given you the reference for that, 2 Samuel 10, 6-19. You see, the affront, the problem, the, the confusion, the problem would not go away. And it seems that there was a ceasefire over the winter period. And then we come into chapter 11, verse 1 when the winter is over and it says it's happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle i want to read this to you in the new living translation in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war david sent joab and the israelite army to fight who who to fight the ammonites it was a continual fight with the ammonites they destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. I just wanted to finish our reading there today, but here's the thing. Over this period of fighting with the Ammonites, because of David's, if you like, allegiance to or, or history with the Ammonites, it seems that he stopped fighting the Ammonites, but he sent his men out to fight them. And I have just written in your notes, beware of false comfort, which can be seen as kindness. Somebody that agrees with you when you're hurting. Somebody that comes in and gossips and tells you stuff that's straight out of the mouth of the enemy. Beware of false comfort and kindness, which can blind you to truth. And beware of offense in your life. There had been offence, these Ammonites had offended David. There was, there was not only the history of, of kindness and a, and a link in with Nahash, but there was also a, an offence there. Beware of offence in your life which can wear you down and weaken your resolve. Now listen to this. I felt God give me this phrase the other day. Satan wants to groom you so you will have a blind spot about sin in your life and you become lax and actually start to believe that you do not have to fight sin. It seems that David at this point in his life, now he was probably worn out and sick, listening. he had this mixed up confusion with the relationship with, with Nahash, and there had been an offence, and he, was, he had fought, if you read through that chapter 10, you'll see that he did fight, but there was a ceasefire, and whenever the spring came round again, it was time to go out to fight, David was fed up fighting, and David was beginning to believe that it was his right as king to lie up in the palace, sleep to dinner time, have a good time, take whatever he wanted, do whatever he wanted. He was beginning to believe the lie of the enemy, that he didn't have to fight sin, that he didn't have to fight against these people, these Ammonites, who had been, whose, whose, whose whole agenda was to bring shame and to put out the eye of God's people. I wrote in your notes, David has grown had grown tired fighting the Ammonites and he was content to let his troops go to war without him. While he lounged around the palace, sleeping late every day, believing he could do whatever he wanted and have whatever he wanted. He was open and vulnerable to sin and especially sexual temptation. David looked and lusted and then committed adultery with Bathsheba, even though she was married to Uriah. Now you've got to get this. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. He had fought for David in the past. He was loyal to David. And even while David was sleeping with Uriah's wife, Uriah was out in the battlefield fighting for David. 
And that is, isn't that gross? Isn't it amazing how the enemy will start off with a little kindness, a little sympathy towards your hurt, a little bit of, you know, dear, stroking your sin. Isn't it amazing how he can just make things so easy and a little bit of false comfort. And then, and then eventually, as he sets the trap, he comes to the point where he springs the trap. And where the trap is sprung and where David is sitting in a vulnerable position, totally susceptible to his particular sin, which was sexual sin. It wasn't only the multiple wives and the concubines that he had, but I believe it was these Ammonites, it was that relationship, it was the wars, it was, the, it was Satan was grooming the whole situation. Satan works in every area, he tries to find a little place to get into every area of your life, and he's trying to manoeuvre you and get you into a position where you come to believe, do you know what, I didn't worry about that anymore. And even if you don't think, of, think it through logically, it's there in your, in your psyche, where you've become easy on yourself. And usually people like that are hard on others, but very easy on their own sin. We're going to look a bit more about Bathsheba next week. I've written in your notes, could this be the same person whom God described as a man after his own heart? The account of David's sin of adultery with all of its ramifications is usually blamed on his disobedience and his multiple wives and prosperity and complacency. But on top of all of that, the enemy had been working behind the scenes to manoeuvre David through the Ammonites to get him into this place of disobedience and sexual temptation. Nahash had always wanted to disgrace and reproach, to bring it disgrace and reproach on God's people. And he was about to finally fulfil his objective. You know, William, he has Down syndrome, but he also has a little problem we discovered, uh, we noticed over the last few years, he's tripping a lot. And uh, Jane would have to hold on, or if I met with him, make sure we're holding on to him, because he tends to trip. So we got out the, the um, physiotherapist to come and have a look at him and assess him, and she discovered that his foot is not, the muscles in his foot are weak, he can't hold the foot up properly, so it's, he's tripping over it. So she's put this little sort of a strapping around his right leg, um, he actually needs one for the other leg as well, we believe now, but uh, it kind of clicks on and holds the foot up so that it helps him not to trip. And whenever he and Jane are out, Jane's constantly saying to him, careful William, careful. And uh, because it's so easy, he's had a few nasty falls and really cut himself. And so she'll be saying, careful William, careful. And now he's kind of got wise to this. So he'll be saying it himself, he can actually say the word careful. And sometimes he's saying, careful, careful. And then sometimes he says, William, careful. <laughs> and you know, as I thought of that, I thought how we need to self-talk. Yeah. We need to self-talk. And you see the little things? So often it's the little things that get you. Isn't that what, what Philip's always saying, that story about the elephant and the, and the, um, and the what is it, the, the wasp? What, isn't it a wasp or a bee? Ever get stung by a bee? Put your hand up. Ever get hit with an elephant? <laughs> so often it's the little things that get you, isn't it? The little things that you're not thinking about, the little, the little things that just take you away from God, the little things that eventually the enemy uses to blind you. To blind you to your own sin, to blind you to the things that the enemy's doing in your life, and to make you lax and to make you take down this shield. And if that goes down, you stop having faith and you stop pulling up that shield, then you're not going to be really using, you're not going to be able to use that eye and you won't see what you need to aim for and you'll stop using the sword. And before you know it, you're pulled into the enemy's agenda. Before you know it, the little things, the little foxes that, that spoil the vine, before you know it, you'll find yourself falling into something maybe much bigger and something that's going to destroy your witness and destroy your testimony, because that's the agenda of the enemy. He doesn't want you to be God's woman. He doesn't want you to use that sword. He doesn't want you to keep your eye full of light. He doesn't want you to keep your shield of faith up and look over that shield and have your eye wide open and see the Lord and see where the Lord's showing you to strike with the word of God. Listen, we have a purpose on life. 
You have been giving, given a destiny. You have been given a purpose. Remember, you've been chosen for noble purposes to bring glory to God, to rule with Christ and see his kingdom come from heaven, literally to earth. God wants you to be an overcomer. But you have an enemy who will try to manipulate you through spiritual blindness, false comfort, offence and lust. And you need to guard your heart. And you need to listen, be watchful and obedient. I read uh, just my daily reading this morning. Uh, Joy gave us this little book here. And I've just found so often the words in this book are so right. It's all about obedience, girls. It's all about keeping your eye on what God's saying. It's all about when God speaks, we do it. We don't ask questions, we do it. And here's what it says just at the end of today's reading. As God's servants, you should have no other agenda than to be obedient to whatever he tells you. God does not need you to dream great dreams for your life, your family, your business, or your church. He simply asks for obedience. He has plans that would dwarf yours in comparison. It's good to dream if God gives you the dream. But listen, it's basically he knows what's important to obey. He knows the path to the dreams that he has for you. And you know, we can think it's this way, but God says, no, this is the way. Walk you in it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. God wants us to live simple lives where we simply carry the shield. Where we trust him at all times. For we have the word of God, where we hold that, that, that sword of the Spirit, and when we look over, as Jerry said last week, as we hold the sword and we've got hold the sword and we're holding the, the shield, where we see what God is saying and we see what God's showing us to do and how He wants us to fight the enemy with that right eye overlooking over the shoulder, where this eye is full of light, and for an obedience to Him. We strike the sword, which is the word of God, and we move in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're coming into a new day. I believe that the next couple of weeks are going to be really important for us to move forward. I believe that God wants us to grow and to move over the summer. I believe that God wants us to straighten up and to become greater, stronger warriors. Women who are wise to the, pl the plans and the, the distractions of the enemy. Women who know where we're going. And we're ready to push forward. And you know what? We can do it together. We can do it together. We can help each other. God wants us to flow in loving each other and encouraging each other. God wants us to be in, in allegiance and kindness to each other. Not with the world's ideas. Not with the, the ideas that Satan would draw us into. Not with those lies, but with the truth that we as women of truth would love each other. And that we'd encourage each other in this day to go forward and be all that God has called us to be. Let's believe that, that we're going to be women who will be saying, careful, careful Maureen. Take it easy. Slow down. Just check this out with God. Don't run too quick. Just check it out. Make sure that you're walking in agreement with him. Because let me tell you, the enemy might try to show you a false kindness but God is the one who shows you true kindness. He's the one who will hold back at times to let you go through the struggle rather than easing it for you and killing you. God wants us to be stronger. When William was, was growing up, he was very slow to walk on his feet. He had very floppy muscles and he, he didn't get up on his feet until he was, I think, two or three. And, and you know, there was many a time where I had to let him take a fall because he had to learn, because I loved him. God loves you too much to prop you up and stop you struggling. He wants you to go through the struggle so you become strong and mighty warriors, ready to fight for him, ready to know that God has given you a purpose on this life. We have a purpose, ladies. I was listening to a guy on, on, um, on, online last night, and uh, he's a guy who is not a believer. But he is a, he's a clinical psychologist and he's been given lots of lectures online and stuff. And he's, one of the things he said was, we think the world thinks, he didn't put it in those terms, but he said, people think that happiness 
is her ultimate agenda. He says, that's not the truth. This is a man who's not a Christian. Do you know what he said? Purpose is the most important thing. We will die without purpose. The enemy wants you to be clambering after, nearly speak that, the enemy wants you to clamber after happiness, smooth path, everything easy. That's not purpose. Purpose is fighting through. Purpose is, purpose is allowing others to go through the struggle but praying for them as they do. Not, not cutting the thing to, and killing it. Letting the butterfly come out, letting it have the struggle, letting it come out and letting it start to fly in all its glory, with all the beauty. That's what God wants for you. Let's help each other and encourage each other, but let's not, let's not stop each other from going through these struggles. You see that dream that I had on Sunday morning? I'll tell you, it was, it really ministered to me. I knew that God had spoken to me through that dream. Do you see, I was on, on the welcome team on Sunday morning. I was in the tip-top form. It was like I had come through the struggle finally. And it was like I was in a place where I knew God had done something. And I was, and God gives so many opportunities to pray with people and to just to speak here and speak there. I, I was buzzing on Sunday. But the past few months I've had a bit of a struggle. So what? He takes us through. He, he holds us like an anchor. He takes us through. He has our feet on the rock. David was going to come through this. He was just going to bring some disgrace on the name of God. That's the enemy's agenda. Let's not bring disgrace on God. Let's, let's glorify him with everything we've got. Let's run this race for him. Father, thank you that this morning that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that we need you. We need you every moment of our lives. And we want to see you. We want our eye to be open, Lord. We want to, our eye to be full of light. God, we want to hold that sword in our hand and have the shield of faith. And Lord, we want to look to you for all the kindness and, and everything that we need, Lord. We want to trust you in every battle. And we know that you'll bring us through. And we know that you will use it for good. And we know, Lord, that you're bringing us into your eternal purposes. Father, may every woman in this place feel you and know you as we sing this song for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stand and we'll sing this song. I'd love you to think just as we're singing it and maybe throughout the week. Just think, what's God saying to you? What's he saying to you? And what does he want to do? What does he want you to do about what he's saying to you? Remember, live simply. Don't get complicated. Trust and obey. I just get a real strong sense that there's somebody here today and you just feel that you are kind of in a place where you feel you can't approach God, where you feel a burden of sin, where you feel reproach of some kind that the enemy's tried to bring against you, maybe a disgrace or something that's weighing you down, something that you can't forgive yourself for. And I just feel that really led as we sung that to remind you that it's the Lord who is your defence. And it's the Lord who is your righteousness. It's not about your righteousness. Thank the Lord for that. And we hold that shield of faith. We believe that he is our righteousness. He is the one we hide behind him. And he is the one who will defend us. And he is the one who wants us to trust him. So I would love today that, that a lot of you would come up for prayer I just feel today God wants to really shift us. You know, life is full of little shifts. It usually isn't like from this point up to here. It's usually little shifts along the way that eventually get us to where God wants to take us. And so I believe today that God wants to do business with us. So let's come as a people along the front here uh, who will be ready and willing to pray for you. And uh, please come and let's push forward uh, today and for the next two weeks as we see what God's going to do and how he's going to prepare us for purpose over the summer. Amen.